Welcome back to the Better Than Best Academy, a community of champions who are committed to personal growth. This podcast was birthed out of my hope to uplift, inspire, and transform the lives of those that feel called to the creative life. The heart behind this show is to create that safe space to grow and learn what wasn't taught in school, but learned along the way. To share the story of the next generation of thought leaders, creatives, you name it. You may not know them now, but by the end of this show, I hope that you will remember their name, their art, and check them out. And today's guest is a new friend of mine coming from Baltimore. Is that right? The DMV? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He's a content creator, a photographer, videographer, graphic designer, Christ follower, girl dad, father of four? Man, five. Five. Father of five. Excuse me. All girls, right? Yes, sir. Man, and but before I, I pass it over to him to share his story, man, Cannon, I want to ask you, Cannon with the camera, I want to ask you this question. I love to ask those around me this question to really get the ball rolling, kind of break the ice. What would make today's conversation extraordinary for you? Um, being able to get the message of being able to be inspired by somebody who came from the bottom came from a hard no city and is able to excel at, at his craft. So anybody can do um, what I'm doing, especially if you keep God first. That's the most important thing. But more importantly, not, you know, not more important than God, but more importantly in terms of your entrepreneurial goals, you'll be able to um, do things if you stay consistent. That's one of the main things I can stress is being consistent. So. Man, I love that. Man, with that said, tell us your origin story. Like, tell us wherever you want to start in this journey. Let the people listening and watching at home, who is Cannon with the camera? So, <laughs> all right, maybe let me go all the way back. So, I'm from Baltimore. I have five kids. They all girls. My oldest is 14. Um, ironically, tomorrow's my birthday, so this was a good time. To do the show, I feel pretty good about it. Um, I've been married basically 10 years. Grew up here in the West Baltimore area. Um, I've been in the music, playing around with it since a kid, probably about, like, if you want to be technical, like the first time I, like, wrote a rap or something, I was, like, 14. Um, and from that time until now, like I said, I'm 34, I've always liked music. What got me into my entrepreneurial journey is I started off and um, I was doing IT before this. I was building pharmacy equipment, C2 safes, things like that. Did things like John Hopkins University of Maryland, University of Pittsburgh. Um, implementation, that was that's what I did. So I had a baby. She was born with special needs. And it took me from my actual career job. I liked my job. It was pretty cool. Um, and I had to transition from that to, from traveling 90% of the time to just reinvent myself at home. So I got like a job at um, like Comcast. I was like, um, I did sales for maybe like a year. To be honest, I didn't really like it. It wasn't for me. Um, and um, this is like right around COVID time, like maybe six months before then. My wife had say, hey, what do you want for like your, your birthday or something like that? It was even... Father's Day or my birthday, one of those two times. And I was like, I'm looking at this camera upgrade in my camera. And I just had like a hobby camera to take pictures of the kids, like a mirrorless, whatever the case may be. So I ended up 
upgrading. When I got that camera, I really wanted to try it out. Well, let me go to my neighborhood. I went to the gas station and just was like, who wants a music video? It was people outside. And then one guy said, hey, I know somebody. Let me call a friend. And this one kid, I shot this video. It was at night. It was poor quality, but they paid me for it. And I thought about it. It was like, that wasn't bad. And it was only like 45 minutes. So like $200 in 45 minutes is better than I was making. You know what I mean? So I was like, okay, 45 minutes worth of work just the shots and then the pictures, I can kick them back out in like 15 minutes from sitting in my car. I was like, okay, let me try this again. And once once you make that first $1,000, you're like, okay, this is viable. Let me, and I just started adding different services. So you mentioned that I um, do graphic design, I do music videos, I do interviews, promo. A lot of my stuff is for social media and promo marketing for artists and creatives. I'm in, the, in my local market, which is Baltimore. Um, Baltimore, maybe the DMV, all the way out to maybe places like Virginia, D.C., the metropolitan area. So, yeah, that's, that's awesome. where, you know, that's how that's, I came in. Let me add this. This is the one thing that I will say. When I was a kid, I didn't have money to go to the studio. I did not have money to go to... Uh, like a real photographer to get like portraits and stuff done. You need a headshot to be in entertainment. When I was a kid, I wanted to rap. Like right out of high school, everybody saw their favorite rappers and wanted to get in the game and feel like they could spit. Everybody can rap or can at least try to make beats or whatever the case may be. Um, I did all of that when I was a kid. I did shows. But when it came time to making it serious, I couldn't afford real mixing and real videography, and it was exorbitant amount of money at that time. This is back in 05, 06. Everybody, they was charging so much money. I said, you know what? I realized when I get older and I can afford to have these things, I'm going to buy some of these things and learn how to use it myself. And that's what put me in the path. I learned how to make the beats. I learned how to rap. I learned how to mix. I learned how to learn what to ask for so that I didn't ask for big stuff. And I'm not happy because everything has a technical name. I didn't know that it was called auto-tune that helped synchronize my vocal. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? So I was like, I was just like, how did he get, he can't sing. How did he fix that? You yeah. know what I mean? So that's what created this, this entrepreneurial mentality. And I realized rappers make less money and then the industry is real toxic, whatever. Yeah. I won't preach, but <laughs> at the same time, it's like, becoming independent is most likely the safest route. Now, what steps do I need to take to go there? And once I investigated the steps, I realized that I was like, maybe I don't want to rap necessarily right now. Maybe I should be able to find an auxiliary business that's going to always be needed in the industry, photography, videography, and then the event of Web 3.0 and position. So it was like, Content creators, content is king in my mind. So that's where what brought me to where we are now. Man, so. I love that. I love that. A few of the things I take from it, there's a quote, I think it's by Tony Robbins. And he says, it's not about the resources you have. It's about your resourcefulness. And man, I, I hear that when I hear your story. I hear your your resourcefulness of you don't ha you didn't have the means to get what you wanted. So you went out and learned how to do it. And I, I, I can relate to that completely. I had a, a rap career from like 
2008 to 2018. Oh, you used to rap? Yeah, yeah, I used to rap. That was where it all started for me, too. I mean, high school, I, I fell in love with rap music, Lil Wayne, Drake, all them. And I was like, man, I want to do this. So I started rapping. So that's what I did. And I'm like, as I'm rapping, I couldn't afford studio time. So there yeah. I am on my, my sister's hand-me-down Dell laptop. Uh, I got Audacity, the free Audacity oh, yeah. the digital <laughs> yeah. audio workstation. And then I'm like, I don't have a mic. Well, I have an Xbox with a rock band that's USB. Let me plug B. that in. Yeah. yeah. So I like I found a way and like I, I hear that in, in your um story. I even went on to be a video editor for a YouTube channel for the past four years until I had our, our son. So I, I definitely get that idea of that's, of how it started with bro. It started with the dream, and then despite whatever happened in the dream pivots, you still find a way to do the things that you want to do. And I also see taking action. And if I could pull anything out of your story right off the bat, it's using your yourself to find the resources and find the skills that you need to do what you're going after. And then, two, it's taking immediate action. Like you said, your your wife got you a camera, and instead of, like, getting bogged down by – how do I use this thing? You went out and just started using it. And you Oh yeah, that's the first thing you gotta do is figure out how to use yeah. it, get comfortable with anything. Because it would just I'll say this. This this might I don't know who this may be for, and I don't know what the platform, the type of people that will see this, I'll get to learn because it's my first time. But let me say this. Another reason why I moved the way I move is because there was a time when I had a circle of friends around me who I thought wanted to see me elevate, but they were secretly in competition. I did not know. I did not know that they were the same ones that would sabotage block opportunities. You know what I mean? Whatever it was that they needed to do so that they could, they wanted me to remain in this box, but I wasn't comfortable that, Hey, can I shoot your video? Yeah, let me check out your work first. Bro, you've been seeing me for like 15 years. You mean to tell me I can't shoot a video to you? And then it's like, okay, well, you said no, I'll shoot somebody else's video. And then I'll shoot somebody else's video. Yeah, when, when you going to shoot my video? What you mean? Because when, when, when you didn't feel like I was worthy of it, I wasn't able to shoot the video. So I did pro bono videos for strangers. And they had me with free service. So I was able to sink my teeth and the free stuff, free content, instead of having to go back and source friends who already did music, who already kind of knew how things should go. You didn't give me an opportunity, so I made my own. So a lot of times, people like to wait for things to come. If you got to wait, sometimes that's never going to happen. And you might expect the people that's right in the room, which is, like, yeah, I got you. When that time come, Lord knows they're not going to be there to give you that door opener. Very few. If you have people that can open the door for you, that's a blessing. If they don't open the door for you, you can't wait. The Lord can help you react. When they don't help you, stepping away from them is what helps you become, you know, more fuller. Because I couldn't, let's say I couldn't fly. I was a bird. I couldn't fly. I wasn't trying to jump out of the nest. By them not helping me, it forced me away from the nest. Once I got out, yeah, I flew around. It was sloppy, mind you, when we're talking about camera work. But right. at the same time, I was able to get from, okay, 
I can troubleshoot, I failed forward. Like a lot of people say that. Like it's true. Come on, fail forward. You don't lose any games if you learn something every time you play. Exactly. So it's like, and those were scrimmages. So now, move six months later, I'm I need a a a, a stylist to do my hair. Yeah. And the person who usually does my hair couldn't. This is how God works. Let me tell you, we're talking about spiritual people. Oh. So I a, I really needed my hair done for an event. I couldn't get my hair retwisted. So what happened was she forwarded me to somebody at another salon. So I went to that salon. The the, the salon owner's sister say, don't you use cameras? And I say, yes. She said, come tomorrow. I, I got a big event. I had never done models. I had never done anything like that. It was a runway, all types of stuff. Yeah. I ended up doing a, a Macy's uh, runway, me, with no experience, nothing. I got some good shots out of that. I'm not even gonna hold you. I put I got some good shots, went straight to Instagram, posted them right away. They popped, and I got calls. So it's like you know, even though even though I didn't see that coming, God did. So it's like had I not gone and shot that video and started carrying the camera around and being confident enough, willing to look back, like I didn't know if I was gonna get paid or not. I got paid, but I took that shot giving away free stuff. And sometimes when you add value first, I need to come on the back and you don't really have to, you know, you know, you get what I'm saying? Like sometimes just putting the work in and that consistency, once that, once that spot open, then you swing. Oh, this is how much I charge. Just make you prepared. Cause once you charge that, you have to give that level value or you got to take a few steps back. So, Man, that's good. And yeah. it's like it's like the, the scriptures say, you know, when you're faithful with little, you'll be blessed with much. And also, I mean, there's the story again in the Bible of the talents. Like we're given. Uh, that was in my mind. I was, <laughs> yeah, I was right there. I was tracking with you, man. Um, it's that idea of the talents, man. I mean, it, when we take what's in our hands and instead of hoarding it or burying it, we we put it out into the world. We we give it the best we can. We fail forward, like then. And, and when you got God on your side, I mean, you're you're already winning, right? And man, I love that. I love that how like that opened the door for you. Like you were looking yeah. for someone to to fix your hair, and God saw your your faithfulness and what you were doing, and He was like, man, let me let me show you this connection. Let me let me show you what I'm really gonna do with this, man. Already, I I, I love where this podcast is heading. And I'm glad we connected. And man, man, there's so much to, so much to. It was a win, man. Yeah, I love that. Something you mentioned earlier. So you mentioned that you have a a child with special needs, right? Yeah. How? So how is that been navigating being a father, not only just a father of five, but, you know, having a child with special needs. And if you don't mind me asking this question, if it's too personal, I understand we can cut it out. But um, I, I feel connected enough to you that, you know, you can share it. Cause I feel like there's, there's something in handling that responsibility, something in stepping into your fatherhood like, what is it that you've learned along the way? Because I'm sure with five kids, you definitely have learned a lot of lessons, life lessons as a father. What life lessons as a father that you've learned, what have you, with those, how have you applied that to your creative career? Like, what lessons have you learned from fatherhood, and how has it translated into your creative career? Mm. 
All right, so I got to answer that a few ways. Hold on. All right, so <laughs> so my daughter has trisomy 21, which is a form of Downs, Down syndrome, just in case if people can relate to this. Yeah. Um, The hardest part was not knowing before she was even born. So, one, she was the last of my kids born, and we were – she was unexpected. I was at work. I got a call. My wife was saying, "Hey, um, guess what?" And I'm thinking to myself, "Like, what? Like, I, I can't think right now. I'm working." And she was like, "I think I'm pregnant." So I'm like, "Okay, we go and do the little test or whatever." She does the test, and then I come back from out of town. I was working, and um, I was a little excited. Bad. The time I was like, "Okay, baby, five. I'm in my mind thinking financially, like, okay, yeah, we don't even have the space in our house for this right yeah. now. So it's like, I got a dog, I got a big dog. So it's like, I got a dog, I got four other kids, Ooh. and like, okay, <laughs> you know, so like, what am I supposed to do? So that was the first part. Then when she went to the doctors for the checkup, they recommended an amniocentesis. Now, I didn't know what that was in the beginning, but right. it wasn't really. One of the, it it really wasn't one of the those procedures that's like oh just go and they just do, 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 scan you and your right. your baby you know it wasn't that it was Man. oh we're gonna take this really long needle to, and just feed it through your stomach until you can drain some of the I think it's like called amniotic fluid and then they could look at some of the cells and it was weird because. I don't know if my wife felt like it was wrong or we just, or the doctor, oh, this is what happened. They saw that the baby looked like she had fluid on her head some kind of way in the scan. So that's what led us to the um, amniocentesis. So at this point, I'm hearing all these words. I'm like, anything that doesn't sound like basic prenatal care is new to me. At the four kids, that's not going to be the usual walk in the park. So I'm already like, all right, let me figure out what's going on. I'm trying to get my composure because now I can't worry before the doctor say anything, but I need to at least have a concern look on my face because in my head I already tied it together. Okay, if this come back anything other than good with fluid on the baby's head, I never heard this for any of the other pregnancies. So this is not a regular fix. I need to hear what he got to say. So I'm getting nervous. So I'm looking at my wife's face. But the, as they feed this needle through her, I'm drawn back in reality. She's like, all right, you, y'all got to stop because it's hurting. They still feed. I'm thinking to myself, like, what is this, like, rotorudo? What are you trying to, like, clean? Like, it, it was a lot of needle. Like, it was a lot of needle. It looked really uncomfortable. Anybody who's ever had a female, let them chime in on that. That's... Yeah, my sure. wife didn't look. I was uncomfortable. I'm like, all right, thinking to myself, do I tell him to stop or say a few more seconds, a few more times? Because it was like, a, <laughs> you know, it was wild. Um, so the first part, how I was feeling emotionally was I was nervous because it was my wife that was in pain. So yeah. we're going through a procedure to find out if the baby is good and my wife already in pain. So it was like, that's not good for me, but I got to go back out of town to work for a week. Mm-hmm. So it's putting pressure on me at work. 
And then after that, moving forward, we find out because I won't say the hospital, I'm not going to play them out of position, but they didn't have good, they didn't have good bedside manner. Like once they found out that it was an issue genetically, they basically hit us with the, oh yeah, well, you can just get an abortion. Like wow. we, we told them we don't believe in that. So you can just skip that. Like we can move on to the next step. So the whole process of not knowing. So you talk to a genetic counselor. They basically can tell you, they basically try to tell you what the genetics say based on what they see and all these little charts. They have no clue what's going to happen. It's probability in their mind anyway. Ultimately, I figured if my, my lot was cast into the lab. Whatever I get is what God chose to give me. I, abortion was never on the table for us. So we moved on. My wife was offended with the hospital for a couple of weeks, but we let it go because that's not our, that wasn't our battle. We was more focused on the stability of trying to figure out how to get our family together with a potential special needs daughter. So as time get close, um, she developing pretty good. And then they noticed she has like, like three holes in her heart. So it's like, all right, now it's gonna hang. When you when you hear that as a father, like you thinking, all right, where can I go with this? Because you praying every day, like, all right, fix my kid. And every time you go to the doctors, they tell you something. Like, uh, well, you still have a little bit of a chance. What do you feel about um feel about abortion? You got up until this time. They give you like dates and cutoffs, and then they move like I don't I don't know if it was just this the experience for us, but I know a lot of people have gone through that because um, a lot of these doctors deal with this every day, so they become numb to the fact that you never had a special needs child before, and you have other kids. Yeah. And um, that was it was rough because you had to ride from four months all the way to birth, not knowing how she was going to come out, yeah. and that was the hard part. So around that time, uh, I was I had to work through that. So I come back, we go to the hospital, and um, my wife had to have like a C-section. It was scheduled, but the day of the C-section, she let's say she was supposed to go in at like three o'clock or one o'clock. I'll just make up a time. I can't remember. And um, I'm walking in the hallway like up. Oh, let me call my parents, let them know my mom lives in Cali. So let me call out there three hours away. I'm calling like she probably about to have a procedure soon. The baby will be here, blah, blah. Business as usual. I'm getting a little thing you put on your head. And um, I put it on. I'm like basically looking in the mirror like, all right, let me go ahead and get this done. But when I come out the little room from switching into the little, I was going to Goes, you know, they gonna let me hold the baby or whatever the case may be, as long as the baby is good. It didn't go that way. Yeah. So they did an emergency. Um, while I was in the bathroom, already doing it, 
taking taking wow. taking a baby out. So when I walk up the hall, I'm looking in the mirror, like looking in the into the room, like I could see them working on a baby. And I'm like, oh, that baby look like it needs some work. In my head, I just said, that baby look like it needs some work. So I go look up for my wife. The doctor's coming to me, grabbing me and walking me the opposite direction. I'm like, all right, where's my wife? So, he, so they explain, your wife, she's good. We got the baby out, blah, 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 blah. Like, wait a minute, what? So the baby I'm seeing is mine. Oh, man. So I'm walking, and they, so I got to go sit in the waiting room. So I'm like, all right, what's going on? You know, so they do what they needed to do, and they let us know, okay, the way her heart was set up, they needed to do some extra work. But that could wait. Her intestinals, her intestines had, like, by her having the type of Down syndrome she had, some birth defects come, like, yeah. intestinal was, like, twisted. So they had to cut a piece off and then connect it. Oh. So she had a G-tube. But when she was born, by her breathing being so low, they gave her the breathing tube. So all this time, my daughter at the hospital moving forward, like, seven months. So I'm having to go to work, come home, meet my wife, go to the hospital, and then go home. We leaving our baby at the hospital. Yeah. And then um, she finally come home. At the it was it was a, my wife could probably say how much time she was at the hospital. I felt like it was a long time, but. Because she had a tube in her mouth for so long, it created aversion. So when you put food in her mouth, she would throw up. She could never eat by mouth in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So it took her a long time. So she had to have a feeding tube on overnight. It was terrible because it was it was cool because you didn't have to feed her. It basically do the work for you. But as a parent, it's the whole thing. And then she rolling around, fighting it. And the boys getting all wrapped around the, it just, it was just a lot for us, but we muscled through it. But you asked the question of what, what does that do for music I, or creativity? I wasn't really that creative in that time because it was a lot on my family. Like it was draining. For sure. And then, you know, it was more so um, like at that time, I don't think I really had any any emotions because I was just going through it. But I can feel it now, which is strange because I don't really, I'm not like an emotional person, but yeah, just the time, I mean, I guess it is what it is, but that was, she's four now. I left my, I resigned from my job. I had to reinvent myself. All at the same time as trying to figure she couldn't talk. She's still nonverbal. She forced. She could talk a little bit. She can walk now. But I stayed home because in the beginning, because no parent plans to have a child. I mean, maybe I, I can't tell you what what another parent was in their mind, but I had four other girls. They all advanced. My daughter isn't kids are in advanced, advanced academics. Yeah. From the time that they could sit up straight, they was already communicative. Once they got on the floor, I couldn't keep up with them. And when you already have one that one that's advanced, they learn from each other. So a lot of people say, your kids move so, so much different. 
and I don't know, maybe just just who they are, but and um my wife, she's a school teacher, she was a scientist for a company. When I met her, um, she went back to school and got a, her master's. So my wife is in education. My mother was in education. So it was like those type of things, um, I guess, are normal for for us. And then to have one, and it's the complete opposite, where she didn't really learn how to walk until she was almost two. Um, she just now maybe eight months ago, got to the point where she was able to hold a spoon herself yeah. and try to get it right. She can suck out of a straw. She doesn't do it, do it the proper way, but it works. So um, sharing a little bit of these different pieces and then having a dog that that's very much active in my family, he thinks he's a parent too. I don't know what his problem is, <laughs> but she really took to him and I think that having animals is what helps her to um adjust and having other people to watch. So although she has special needs, I believe that she can be more high functioning had I only had one child. You know what I mean? Because she can equate with this kid and this kid is gone. And then compared to herself, like she tries to jump and run and jump a little bit. She wants me to flip around like them. So, and I don't play with the, oh, you special needs, let me treat you different. No, I push her harder because I want her to, the best thing to get past as a parent in my mind is being able to stop having pampers, diapers. Yeah. You know, you get out of that phase. But my daughter isn't like ready for the bathroom by herself yet. Yeah. She used to be scared of the toilet, which is weird to me, but everybody, the, the, um, one of her, um, therapists said that it was something that some of them don't like that type of stuff. So she's just now starting to know when she has to use the bathroom. So I'm praying that I can at least get her to be able to tell me who, what, when, where, why, and how, and then be able to say her first name and last name and whether or not she needs to use the bathroom. If I can get those down, uh, everything else I already accomplished with it. I got her to walk. You know, I got her to, she can do sign language and she could talk a little bit. So yeah. like as a parent with kids, when your other kids are young and they don't understand why they can't see their sister and they frustrated, that hurts that part. Yeah. Because it's like you're leaving them home when they know mommy was pregnant for nine months. And only ones that can go had had to be past a certain age. I have a 14-year-old and I have a 12-year-old. So they're bigger than my 6-year-old and my 8-year-old. So it was a stress on my wife. Um, now we pretty much do the heart surgery. We got through the neck surgery. She's good now. But it was tough. I'm not even going to lie to you. Just rethinking about it, man. I was like, whoo. I'm emotional, and I don't even usually shit. I lost my grandmother, and my grandmother was raised me. I didn't even cry, and I'm thinking now, this is my daughter. So I named her Josiah, which is a transliteration of Josiah, um, which means the Lord has healed. Her middle name is Ray Lynn, which is like you land. We just put it together, 
and among I have other kids who have names that are like my daughter's name is Naraya with an N. Naraya and then I have Arbriel Sanaa. So they I try to give them names that remind me of things of God for different reasons. But her name is the Lord has healed the little man or you lying. So it's like we you never know. The Lord my daughter is 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 growing in a way where people are um even like that is wow she's going fast she's and it's like i am that gonna say thank the lord because we didn't know what we was getting into and when you deal with people who have like the god complex because one of the hardest things is going to the doctors and you could tell certain people when they look oh that's just bad genetics like like she's not a person I can, I could just, I can, you can, you can feel when people don't really care. It's a bother to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it just was weird, like, just going back to say this one point, and I can, I don't want to take up all the time. It just say that, um, when when you go to the doctor and you hear something like that, and that hits your family hub, but then when you talk to a person that just can put their glasses on and just read through the data. Yeah. And it's like, bro, my my daughter not an algorithm. Like, what are you doing? Right. Like, what are you yeah. talking about? Yeah. You know real. what I mean? Like, like, oh, you could just have another one. You can just have another state of the art baby. You can just, we can, yeah. like, all these ungodly ways. I mean, I'm not judging it, but I'm saying what I feel, you know what I mean, as a parent. Yeah, yeah. And what came to my mind, like, you just feel like because certain people can freeze their eggs or do whatever it is they do, this, all of this new stuff that they can do my daughter wasn't going to have access to that because we wasn't going to use her for research and none of that crap that they wanted to do or we decided we're going to have the baby as natural as we can do what we need to do and then work to get her up to par to the best of her abilities and that's what we did and uh, you know i thank god for that so man that that <laughs> man I appreciate you sharing that story for real. Like if I can start there from chiming back in is like, I appreciate you sharing that story and being vulnerable because that's not easy. And even like you said, I ain't never been asked that on, on camera either. And I, that was weird. I I got, I got to blow my nose. Hey, it's okay, man. It's okay. Help somebody to God be the glory. Exactly. And like, it's crazy. I'm getting these guests on and I'm, I'm hearing their creative stories, but I mean, honestly, like just hearing another story of another creative person, it's great. But like, this is what I'm looking for. Like, because I feel like all of the things that we encounter in our journey in life shape the person we are. And it's the person we are that shapes the creativity that we have. And for the longest time in my own personal life, like growing up, I was defined by what I did. And I had to learn how to be a human being to really do things because a lot of times mm -hmm. we feel like we just got to do and do, and that's our identity and that's not, but man, like I really do appreciate you sharing that story and sh being vulnerable. And I'll, I'll tell you this much from a father to another father, um, you're doing, you're doing a lot better than you think you are. I just want to encourage you in that. And I, I feel that strongly. And it's funny because even as we like had our conversations, I mean, for those listening at home, we just met through 
voice chats on Instagram not that long ago. So like for, for us to go that far, that fast into your story, I really do appreciate that. But to just something about just knowing, just like having that connection of being fathers, just something about it. There was something on it and I leaned into it and I'm, I'm glad that I did because I feel like there's so much to learn in fatherhood that we can apply to every other area of our life. And to circle back to like me even asking that question, uh, it, to me, it sounds like you, you and your wife and even your, your, all your kids, like going through that situation was hard, was awful. Like I can't imagine, like I have a son now and my wife's pregnant with our second and like, I can only imagine because in between my wife getting pregnant now and our first, she had two miscarriages. So, like, I understand to a degree, like, how things go. But, man, and it's something about, like, standing in, in faith when you're going through those trials. It, it just shapes it. And I'm curi- curious to ask you that follow-up question is how did you being a man of God and having faith, how did that shape that circumstance for you? So, so for me, it's weird because I didn't like grow up in church or nothing like that. So like my grandmother went, I went when I was like seven, eight, up until I was like with her. And then my, like my mom didn't go to church. So it was like, I didn't get, get actually find God until I was 22. Like I got saved got got those homes I did it I've been through a lot of different stuff maybe we'll talk again but yeah. um so I, I it's important that I put this in perspective for people so I, I've been in situations you know I'm just gonna say you know what Baltimore like from yeah. the news the media but I'm from a community in the city where I'm, I'm is really like that so it's like unfortunately is weird. So to learn about God and to find him my own apart from the church, from the pastor, and then go through the situation, I I, I felt like, okay, when I go through this, I'm going to be invincible. Yeah. But I didn't really feel like I was invincible. You know what I mean? Because it's hard to, like, it's hard to explain. Like, I felt like, all right, God got me. My daughter going to come out. Nothing going to be wrong with her. Yeah, but that's not what actually happened. So just had me aggravated. I was upset. I'm like, all right, I'm going back and forth with God. Like, not the plan. Like, I just finally got my vote, the right vocation. I'm finally making the money that I need to make, and now I'm having to quit my job already. I'm like, all right, God, this guy be the devil taking me out. I ain't do like. I'm feeling like I'm finally taking a coming up, and then this happened. Things were tight because I had a lot of kids early and I had bought a house early. You know what I mean? So I've been in my house 10 years. I literally, I didn't have a big wedding. I didn't come from a lot of money. So the money we had, we used to get a house, not a ring and a big reception. So I'm thinking God uh, God got my back. I'm making the most positive decisions. I feel like Solomon. This happened. I have no ideas, nothing. So what I learned from this was, so humility, change of perspective, and just understanding the value of, of my family because my my immediate circle just put me in a leadership role for my wife and my kids. And then having to then still be um, 
a balanced provider that it's a lot of weight on us, but it's the right weight. It's, you know what I mean? And that's what I'm learning. So for sure, man, man, I appreciate all of that. That's, that's so good. There's so much to take from that. And I, I love how you mentioned how it keeps us in the space of humility. It, it keeps us in a space of new perspective and I think it's so interesting how a lot of times we try to outrun God with our plans. Like a lot of times we have these big elaborate plans and it's really great. It's great to have big dreams. It's great to have these, these wants and desires to want great things. But when those pivots happen, I mean like, cause I'll, I'll ask you now. So now you're on the other side of, of resigning from the job that you thought was the amazing job by making mm -hmm. that pivot. Like, I would ask the question: Are you fulfilled in your current career and the path that so you're on? So, to be have? honest, I actually, like I said before, early on, beginning, and it's funny how we come back full circle. I've been doing music and playing around with raps and audio visual equipment. I used to put ringtones on Nextels and all that. I've always been on computers and things of that nature. Um, even at my grandmother's church, the one thing I did like about that church. Um, they had like a a computer room at one point. It was old school, but I used to play the little fake jack game. You throw the jacks up, whatever. But it it taught me about computers. I had exposure to computers because of that. And I've always like, had I not done that, I might not have been able to handle IT. You know what I'm saying? So this whole experience, I got into music, and it ended up back around into being a content creator. I have so much, so many things to say from my personal life that adds value to that content. So now, um, hindsight, they always say it's 2020. Now I can just go back and pull from my pieces of my past, being from Baltimore, having a, a you know, a lot of kids young, buying a house. I'm the only person in my family that I know that that's where I am. You know, I don't have a lot of people in my family that have been able to reinvent themselves, let alone twice. You know what I mean? So it's like, um, just being able to, I, I think being reflective is important now. And that, that quiet time with God, where you just sit down and he just, all right, the reason why you went through this is for this and for this, because, Hey, remember you used to like music because you know how rappers go and you know that it didn't make you any money. Now you adapted into this creed, like the, and this era, people don't know how powerful this season in the right now it, it is being able to, have the access to what we have now in 05 this wasn't it yeah you know it wasn't it you couldn't do anybody can be a network now so it was like and then have access to the things that we have access to and me being i was ahead of my time as a kid and um that was one of the things that got me in trouble i got photographic man, i hate numbers but pictures people yeah. certain things inflections on how to communicate i don't know what that's about I used to feel like I had like some uh, innate ability and maybe yeah. that's what discernment is. Yeah. And, um, and, um, I've always kind of had, like, I can see trends coming and I, I figured out, okay, if the fish come here doing high tide, let me be here. So yeah. eventually I'm missing the fish because they don't like what's on the hook, but eventually I'm going to see what they biting and go for that. And just, just being able to adapt and, um, and having children, being flexible, being able to understand that this season 
of my life, it has been, hey, I don't have to work a linear nine to five to be successful. I can work whenever I want to work with this camera because I set my price in it. I know what my overhead is each month. All I have to do is hit those numbers. And um, I've thrown hip hop events. You know, I know as a Christian, a lot of people look at that as funny, but where else are you going to give the mission to? I always question people who want to know what's going on with evangelism and things of that nature. But you, you, you do evangelism at your church. Right. I mean, where I'm from, you're not going to get them to go to your church. Yeah. Like the, you, you may get a few, but realistically, we are supposed to go to the people. Yeah, you don't got to take in the things that they do, but you can actually go and be in business. Like the way I, where I, where I am in business, I deal with a lot of rappers, singers, R&B, Afro beats, models. These are people that are creative. Imagine if a few of those people, you know, believe in Jesus, you know what I mean? And they see, okay, you're not like the, I won't say any yeah. pastor or evangelist that people feel like is a jack leg or whatever, but you know the vibes. And uh, unfortunately, the Christian community kind of, it eats itself because yeah. we yeah. preach these things but then we full circle yeah. when people get out of the box and stop fishing in the aquarium and yeah. then go to the wild rivers and streams and really start bringing in these people yeah. we can't accommodate them because of this authenticity in the local assembly oftentimes because it's vanilla a lot of people is behind smoke and mirrors where yeah. i didn't i didn't mean to say all that hey, but hey, it's the truth like, the people you're preaching to the choir man I, I am a big proponent of the local church. Like, I believe in the local church, but I also believe, like, we we have a mandate to reach the lost. And Christian, especially, like, American Christianity, has gotten so consumer and corporate. It's been driven that way that, man, I'm so grateful for my local church, and I'm grateful that we're going against the grain. Like, yeah, we're— a, Like, you find a few local yeah. churches like that, you got to uphold those because they— Exactly, and you got to celebrate them because they're few and far yeah. between. Because, like, that's our big mission. Like, we're there to create disciples. Like, we're there to bring people to Jesus but walk with them through the whole process. Like, you know, like, we, we get really caught up in the idea of— salvations and getting people to say the prayer and i think that's important but it's what we do after that that's even more important because if we're just in it to find someone that we run into hey do you believe in jesus do you want to believe in jesus they say the prayer and then we do nothing else they're going to be like Correct. but what's my next step and i think that's so important and that's where people like us come in like we're uh, i love it i had a, a pastor friend of mine speak it over my life that he, he felt like I was a like a, a spiritual Navy SEAL <laughs> and oh, yeah, I never, I that. I never understood that true. until years later and now I'm like literally walking that out like I I've opened this podcast and made this platform like I'm not just speaking to Christians like I'll speak to the Christians and let y'all know what we need to do to get better obviously but I, I, I'm making this platform to to grow people and to let them experience Jesus firsthand because it's not just Back. a whitewashed religion it's literally a relationship with a man that's God and he will change your entire life period the visible image of an invisible God. Exactly. It's God in the flesh. 
Man. And a lot of people, uh, and then it's like, can I say this? And I get off my soapbox, but yeah. I always feel like just in case you never see me ever again, my fault, my my monitor just keep jumping because I'm not touching them. And um, I would say that a lot of times you got two types of Christians that I feel like need to get in the game. It's the ones that are judgmental and religious. Sometimes, sometimes they're not gonna wear the suit and tie. Yeah. Sometimes we're going to have our gun like this. And I'm not speaking wow. to every audience of, of believers. Sometimes mm-hmm. we not because we didn't grow up like that. Yeah. But you got to remember, some of us didn't been in the shootouts and all that type of stuff. So it's like when we yeah. get into um, people who who have changed their lives, but they are completely different than how you look as a believer, you got to stop trying to make them wear Saul's exactly. armor like, like yeah. the David wasn't built oh. for them, so you stop making us all wet. We don't, we don't got to wear the armor. We don't have yeah. to look like you. I don't have to say, and God, I don't have to do that. <laughs> Come on. I don't have to do that to tell somebody that hey. Jesus is alive and he on his way back. I don't have to. I'm wearing a sweatsuit that I made for my 14-year-old. Why? Hey. Because that's what we do. I'm wearing, I wear a tracksuit in the church. I wear a tracksuit in the trenches. It doesn't really matter. Hey. It's Come about on. what we believe and why we believe it and trusting and not the not the fake trust wears a yeah. finesse on a weekend, but do the rest of the week. Yeah. People don't know you're a Christian. You you scared to say in front of the other communities of beliefs or Islam and Wicca or whatever it is, or five yeah. percent or whatever it is that people are into new age. And stop allowing and when you see they mixing it with your belief, stand on it. Like say, no, nah, that's not what it is. And okay, you might get hit in your mouth, but that's right. just what it is. It if is your pastor true. not willing to get hit in the mouth, I'm just okay. saying that maybe, hey, maybe he. I mean, I'm, I'm in my city. It's very, very likely that you have to be not to make it aggressive, but sometimes we let the devil go on every music video. We okay. let him go in our schools. We let him go everywhere. But when we start talking how we supposed to talk, we don't stand ten toes on it. It's oh. kind of like they platforms. They, mm, 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 and we like, Layton. come on. And we're just. Yeah. Hit somebody with a sword at least once. Like, yeah. Bro. Because it's like we aggressive when we don't need to be. Yeah. And passive when we. It's like, Man. come on. Get it together because you're looking a little this season. Like, I've seen a guy. I, I can't really, really say a lot about him because I've been following him recently. But he seemed fired up. And he ruffling a lot of feathers. Oh, yeah. Uh Rogers, and um, I don't know if you got can can I can say that on your podcast, but I don't know what what where he's from. I think he's like in Chicago, but I mm-hmm. I what I like about him is that he's saying the things that people in the church feel, but they never stand up and say it. Yeah. I'm not saying that he's perfect. I'm not because there's another thing we allow the people that don't believe in Jesus to feel like we feel like we perfect, and that's. Oof. That's Come a on. misconception. Come on. So it was like, you know, when if I had and I'm purposely gonna leave us with a cliffhanger. The next time we talk, hopefully we talk about our upbringings, like where we came from, like Baltimore. Like if you go to my page, uh, my page is solely rappers and artists and interviews from my city. I know people that's done life in prison that's yeah. just coming home. I know people who have been. And politics have done, you know, I've done a nonprofit. I, I know a lot of kids that were at-risk youth 
some of them from from those schools they don't exist anymore because they didn't make it after the fifth grade you know what i mean so it was like they didn't make it to eighth grade they didn't make it to high school they didn't make it past 21 and there's a lot of people with a lot of talent and it's because and oftentimes gatekeepers do not know how to testify towards hey i'm not perfect here's my hang-ups yeah this is how you get out with god this is how you sidestep those potholes you know what i mean without making it like too lordy you know what i mean yeah Yeah, when i was your age you know and all that type of stuff we got to get past that and be real and transparent because the the kids now is half our age and they have access to more than we did at our age. So it was like, yeah. so that's my uh, soapbox hey. for the day. Hey, I feel like, yeah, we're definitely going to have to do another episode because <laughs> whew, we got a lot to talk about. And yeah. And just to circle back, like, that's my goal with this podcast. I'm not here to sugarcoat things. There is a, a pastor that I, I'm, I'm, he's mostly into podcasts now. His name's Tim Ross. He's got a podcast mm-hmm. called The Basement. I'll give him a shout out. I don't mind because he's literally speaking the truth. Like he's coming. Shout out to he's coming for the next. He wants all the smoke. And 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 that's been empowering me as a Christian because I mean, like, you know how it is. Whether whatever it may be that you've experienced that like you get soft and you're like, nah, nah, fam. This Christian right. is not for the faint of heart. Like, you better get ready. Like, I mean, you think the disciples are soft? Peter chopped off a dude's ear like that. He he was about that. No, I was like, hold on, chill, chill. Yeah, yeah. And Jesus, I'll like, tell you to do that, Peter. <laughs> so could you imagine? Like, I mean, every time I think about that story, it gets me fired up. Like, could you just be imagine to see that? Like, Peter gets excited. Oh, Peter got too excited, but Jesus, like, it's good, guys. He, he was he was he was ready for it at that moment because he knew that. Well, he knew what it was about. Yeah. And then even though he dropped, what was perfect about that analogy, Peter also dropped the ball directly yeah. after that. Exactly. As most believers do. You yeah. believe, and then when it's time to really proclaim a, your faith, you fumble. And yeah. it's like you ducking, because you duck in the smoke, because, you know, that happens. And I, I'm I'm just here to say that if you watch and you seeing me, I'm from West Baltimore, lock in with me. I'm going to get your information. I'm going to send you a copy uh, the tops and bottoms of this just yeah. just remember us here and anybody else i love to talk about you know my daughter again maybe one day i can have my wife sit down and you could just hear straight yeah. from her yeah man i would um, love for that people, there's a lot of people um that are unable to speak about um children with special needs yeah. and um just man, that and important. just that that that's a untapped market for people that need to to have some representation that's a niche you know so for those fathers and and mothers too um you know my daughter is doing well um you can you can be encouraged that um even though when a storm comes with a health and all that just continue to be consistent as you know the parent that they need you to be continue to show love and when you need support, there are some organizations in a few different cities just to tap in. And on the East Coast, there's quite a few. And um, we there are resources. If not, find me. Yeah. Um, my brother, he'll connect you to me. And I don't have a problem sitting down with you and talking. And even if you want to pray for those who do believe on um, 
because it can get to the point that I'm, I'm learning right now that I needed to talk about that because I had got a little emotional today. I got to call my wife and tell her, like, look, yeah. <laughs> I was on a podcast episode and I dropped it. I ain't never did that in my life, but it's for the glory of God. So, yeah, thank you for having me, bro. For sure, man. And, yeah, I'll put all your information in the description. Uh, one thing to kind of get ready as we start to close out for today is, yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, we overcome by the word of our testimony and because we're covered by the blood. Now, I'm paraphrasing the, the exact blood. scripture, but it's that. It's literally that. Like, for those listening at home, and if you're looking for your creative tip, it's we're mostly – sometimes we're practical here, but sometimes we're spiritual. And today – God had another plan, and I'm so glad that he showed up, and I can't wait to for more more conversations with you on and off camera because I, I feel Bro, like we, 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 we got to talk. We yeah. definitely got to talk. For real, for real. But um, to those at home, like, don't be ashamed of your story because literally it's like he shared today. Him being vulnerable and sharing that story is going to impact someone and encourage someone if – if they're feeling hopeless, feel, feeling despair, reach out to either one of us. Cause I mean, literally like we're, we're here for much deeper than just growing a creative career. Like, yeah, that's great. Don't get me wrong. Like, that's good. We got to put food on the table, of course, like, you know, but ultimately like, I mean, we're here to spread the message, you know? And with that said, um, we'll, we'll stop the recording in a minute but you listening at home, I'm so glad that you, you stuck around, you listened, uh, you know, do all the things. You subscribe, you, you share it because, man, it's so important. And so most of all, shout out, for my guy. shout out to Cannon with the camera. Follow him. I'll put all the links and stuff. Connect with him. Show him support and love. And if you need any of his services, check him out because, I mean. We dude, definitely travel, so just let yeah. me know what you need from me. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. And then with that said, do, do you have any last words for the people? All I'm going to say is can't stop, won't stop. Keep doing what you're doing. If you focus, stay focused, apply pressure. And if you're a believer, you know that the time is coming. Yeah. Jesus drawing in. For everybody else, if you don't believe it, this is the best time. Believe in Jesus. I understand you believe in something else, but, I mean, look at the signs of the times. Prophecy is being fulfilled. Jesus is coming and he is willing to receive us all into his hands. But you have to make that choice and step on your own. If you need help with that, hit one of us up. That's what we're here for. We are believers. We love you. Baltimore, thanks for having us, Texas. We love you. Red. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, like you said, like we love you enough to love you where you're at, but we love you enough to not let you stay there. So definitely reach out to us. And I, I mean, I'll close it quick. You know how I like to close it. You listening at home. I love y'all. I'm praying for y'all. Now let's go live better than best as we conquer this week.